Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. Time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Welcome to episode 93 of Comic Book Nation, the official podcast of comicbook.com. I am your host, Kofi Outlaw, and joining me today is my co-host, Matthew Aguilar. Yay, yay. We've also brought uh, our video game guy back, Mr. Roland Bishop. Hello, thanks for having me. And over in the gym corner is Mr. Charlie Ridgely is back. Hello, to, uh, everyone. Turn up once again, and he is quite turned up already. Uh, so, we got this fine collection of all dudes, because, uh, no, there's a, there's a lot of political jokes I'm going to skip for this one, but... Uh, I'm amazed we got a variety of things, <laughs> wow. a variety of things wow. to talk about today. So we had to get a kind of a variety collection of people to help us talk through it all. We are going to review Netflix's highly anticipated adaptation of The Witcher. We are going to talk about the uh, kind of mind-bending new trailer for Chris Nolan's new movie, Tenet. We are also going to be talking about the latest episode of The Mandalorian the latest Batman comic storyline that which was kind of a big game changer. And, well, let's just start out on a hopeful note. We rarely ever start out on hopeful notes here. Hey, so positivity. Let's uh, start out on a hopeful <laughs> note and talk about our first news story today. We've gotten word that New Mutants might be coming. Yeah. No. Remember, guys? You guys remember that? Remember <laughs> New that Mutants? New Mutants? So, I mean, some of you not, might, may not remember this, but, like, in the time before Disney owned all, <laughs> like, Fox owned the X-Men franchise, and there were a couple final films they were going to put out before that franchise wrapped. One was Dark Phoenix, and I don't remember if that ever came out. Um, mm -hmm. I don't recall. It's kind of hazy. It's a thing. But uh, New Mutants was the other one, and the one we were kind of really excited about. It was a version of New Mutants that wasn't very much like the comics, except for the Demon Bear storyline premise. But uh, it, it took some fresh face stars like Maisie Williams from Game of Thrones, dude from Stranger Things, uh, chick from The Witch and other stuff. Yeah, you know that's, who I'm talking that's about. That's their IMDb. You know, Charlie Heaton, <laughs> Anya Taylor-Joy. <laughs> yeah. those, those people. Those people. I mean, did their movie come out? Oh, my God. Oh, I rest my case. Uh, so <laughs> yeah, maybe if their movie had come out, I'd know who they are. But, you know, their movie didn't. Fair but, enough. But, but, Fair enough. But that's all to say, we've just gotten word from one of the stars of New Mutants. Saying, Charlie Heaton, the one from Stranger Things. Yeah, Charlie Heaton. Remember. Like, doesn't he play Charlie in the show? No, he plays. Um, I just feel like you Jonathan, know all the Charlie's Jonathan out. Byers. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. The guy. He's yeah, the guy. There's oh, some. They have like guy, some kind of passing away. He swings a bat, has the shirt, listens to the music. I remember. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that guy, guy said, uh, "New Mutants is coming out, and that we are going to get it." I'll read what he said. I don't know. No, it's coming out next year, but we filmed it almost two years ago. It's the release date that's been moved quite a while. So. He's saying that New Mutants is arriving in 2020. But what does this guy know? He Who knows? Know. He doesn't know. He doesn't sound very confident. To be fair, Disney set a release date for it. Now, that's, that doesn't mean it's Disney actually coming out. Disney has set release dates for it. Fox has set release dates yeah. for it. Disney I mean, put like, on the slate for April 3rd, 2020. There's some guy I was giving change to that had a date for it. <laughs> that like, yeah. <laughs> the other Charlie that is somehow mentally linked to yeah, you and all other Another Charlie, Charlie saying another date somewhere. <laughs> was like, it's coming. I mean, so. Juniper. Like, we've had several conversations about, in all seriousness, we've had several conversations about New Mutants and like the Fox kind of X-Men franchise at this point. Um, I mean, this is just such the delayed reaction if this movie does come out for like this franchise that is now dead and gone and, and i mean dark phoenix did a lot of work to to put a nail in this franchise and just say yeah enough of this but uh 
Can I can I say something? We're getting weird? this movie finally. Yeah. I, I mean, you are a co-host, I, I mean, guess. Well, no, like here's my thing. I remember when we first talked about the subject, I could have cared less because this movie just did not look great to me. So I was always like, that's not really the new mutant take that I Hashtag want. not my new mutants. Then as this movie has continued to be pushed down the road and kicked around and whatever, I'm almost more interested now because like I've had two years of of right. like building hype, so to speak. And I just want to <laughs> see the train wreck that it that it will be. I'm more curious now. I'm more it's like I will actually, whenever they release it on whatever godforsaken platform they release it on, I will watch it now because I'm curious. I would not have watched it before. I would not have oh, paid it. This thing's coming to theaters. Get ready. <laughs> it's coming to theaters. What are you talking about? Are you serious? Yes, 100 percent I don't think this is coming to theaters. I don't think this is coming to theaters, dude. Disney uh, has I see a, whole, a good a Disney movie. Plus promotional yes. weekend. Yeah, that's I, what I see. I normally would, would say so, but one, it's like a horror movie. Also, Disney only has two MCU movies coming out this year. Yeah, I'm not saying they're going to like try to make it. This not is not an MCU movie. I agree. I, I agree. I'm just saying for money purposes, you have a free X Men movie that when you bought a thing, it was like. You know, like in an NBA trade, you like like the extra pieces you just need to make the money work that you don't really care about. You've got it just as a bonus. No one's going to see this, Charlie. Yeah, no, I mean, no one's going to see this in the I mean, theater. I mean, Put even, it on Hulu even, and let even it, if do it what makes, it does. Even if yeah. it makes $10 million. It, that's $10 million you didn't have before. Dude, nobody, I don't, I don't agree. I, I mean, that's, I that, wholeheartedly. That's, it's extra money. It's free Charlie, money. you're laying it down quite a few bets. It's <laughs> already free money. You've laid Disney. down bets about cats. Now you're laying down bets about. So this. you're going to send it there to die without any advertising. Like they're not going to do put any money yeah, into it. I there's mean, money, a trailer. There's cost to putting money. Okay. Putting something. Yeah. Like, there's so why there's some they? cost, but you're going to make more than it costs. No, 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 you're not necessarily just, just for advertising. If you're if Disney's only paying for advertising, you will make more than that at the box office. No, not necessarily. I, think, Boy, I, I think just love how you come out Phoenix, Phoenix, right out of the game. Listen, like so yes, are the X-Men movies a mess? Absolutely. No, so not. you could, one, try to draw an X-Men audience to this, but also, let's remember, this is a PG-13 horror movie. Those movies sell tickets. No matter how, how many movies have we seen from Blumhouse, from Warner Brothers, these movies that get 20% or lower Rotten Tomatoes scores, but they do really well at the box office and make a bunch of money because they're PG-13 horror movies and people can go see them. Kids want to go see horror movies and be scared with the friends and laugh and giggle and stuff Dark in the theaters. Phoenix made $65 million domestically. Because it was, and it was billed as, oh, here's a big X-Men movie. This isn't even, this doesn't even, ugh, I can't talk. So this the smaller movie Netflix. is going to make more? It doesn't have X-Men in the title. You're billing it as a PG-13 horror movie. And people will go see that. Right now, it's being billed as a memory. No one remembers it unless we I'm talk saying, about it. <laughs> like, no one cares. PG-13 horror movies. That's all they got to know. I see coming on Hulu. That's all they got to know. They want to get those Hulu subscription numbers yeah. up. Yeah, that's a good place for get it. Get the spike. Get the, get the spike. ad stuff Halloween, and you're good. Just dump it out. And like, why not? We'll see. Fall, I think, September. I think it's going it's to hit September 2020, Hulu. I look. I, yeah, I mean, I'm not yeah. paying a ticket to go see no. this. No. <laughs> <laughs> if it comes down to theater, no, I will go see it when it streams on What TNT. you're going to see is people are going to wait the necessary <laughs> two months before they just take it out of theaters and dump it on Hulu anyway. Like, I don't we'll, see we'll it. We'll see. We'll Charlie, see. you got a lot of bets going down in 2020. <laughs> we'll you were laying down quite This is on the record. Yeah. yeah this okay, is on the record. Right. I think this but, uh, movie's going to hit theaters. Uh, sure. I don't think that's going to happen, and I don't want to see it happen, like, at all. So, I mean, that's just me. But everybody's, you know, free to have your opinion because we are still a democracy for now. But <laughs> we're going to be moving <laughs> right <note>. along. <laughs> And talking about slip that Chris Nolan is back. He's coming out back after Dunkirk. Uh, he's leaving historical stuff behind and getting back to that sweet, sweet sci-fi mystery action cerebral stuff with no heart. Um, no. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I mean, <clears throat> wow. Like, have we checked Chris Nolan as that he's not like a Westworld robot? We don't know yet. Uh, his movies could be theoretically argued to have been made by an artificial intelligence. Well, we could have checked, but that hasn't happened yet. Yeah. I mean, with little emotion, but... Uh, <laughs> but I'm just... I like to knock Chris Nolan just because, you know, he's such a sacred cow, but uh, no, we got this new movie, Tenet, with... Uh, what's his name? Uh, Washington... Uh, John, John Washington Dude, Black Klansman! I, I, I was so I know, excited. No, I just I jumble up the order of his name. Oh, oh no, I wasn't yeah. criticizing. I'm just saying I was so excited. Like because the minute he comes on screen, I was like, oh my god, because I love that movie so much and his just don't role. Don't go around in it. screaming. It's Black Klansman. Yeah, please don't go around <laughs> screaming that out loud. I mean, we know what you're talking about, sure, but uh, other people might get confused. 
Um, but we saw the new movie. So this is a, like a classic Chris Nolan sci-fi kind of mystery action movie. Kind of in the vein, very much in the vein of Inception, this trailer kind of felt like. Yeah. From the opening city shots to Definitely. everything. I don't know, like most Nolan teasers, this is just kind of the overall concept. The world is drab, kind of dangerous. Something mysterious is happening with mysterious people. You thought it was drab? I mean, every every Nolan film is drab. I always, I, it's kind I of always, a drab and dour world I'm not the view. biggest, like, Nolan, like, whatever. But I will say, I always think his stuff is stylish. Like, I always like how it's No, I meant drab as in, like, the world is just, like, mm. it's not, like, a happy world. It's just kind oh, okay, of, like, you. a okay. very... Dour. Dour. That's dour. a good word. Okay. That's a better kind of, like... Makes sense. Yeah. There you go. So... And it's just our world of kind of, and it's always in this weird kind of secretive espionage feeling kind of world that we're playing in. Um, and then there's a big, of course, visual sci-fi hook that's kind of thrown in the mix. And then this one, we basically get John David Washington. There it is. Son of Dazel, first of his name, uh, kind of coming in here. And this is basically the plot to uh, that Michael Bay Six Underground movie um, in the first half of this trailer, which is like they're recruiting people with skills who ha are seemingly dead, and then they kind of bring them into this organization to do something. Um, and that something is prevent World War Free. Free. World War Free. That's a great promotional <laughs> sale to do that. Um, <laughs> World War Three. World War Free guy. Yeah, dude. I mean, oh like, my God. We're yeah, discount day. mattress. <laughs> I just got your new fire sale. Just World War Free. Um, World War Three, and basically, uh, we're told it's not nuclear holocaust. It's going to be this other thing, and we don't know yet what that other thing is. Uh, but there's a lot of scenes of like some espionage action, some shootouts. And something with people moving backwards. I was going to say, can we talk about that, please? Yeah, we're definitely getting that. time is like moving backwards for some parts of it, but not all parts of it, right? That's I that's feel like it it's just going to be some weird Mobius strip type deal. Like, yeah. Where time is, I mean, it's going to be like Dr. Manhattan, the movie. Like time <laughs> is moving and this place is all at once and you can hop various rides on various waves to do things and... I don't know. I, I mean, let's just start with the WTF of it all. I guess. <laughs> like, what do you guys think about this trailer? Like, what do you think is happening here? Charlie, I feel like you may have some ideas maybe that you're itching I to mean, talk about. I I, I like Nolan movies. I don't think like the greatest movies ever, but I really enjoy them. I think they're really fun. I love, he just, he thinks of weird stuff and it's, it's exciting. And I, this was exactly what I wanted it to be. It looks crazy. It's got a loud, repeated sound in the trailer you know like every other christopher nolan movie and that's really cool Does that dude just have like a tumor um, and he just hears this all the well time? this one sounded like they pulled it from the uh the prowler sound Tony from spider-verse scott movies you know in spider-verse that the, the, yeah. the sound that sounded like this the prowler thing um i feel like this is like a, a perspective situation with tenet like they keep talking about his abilities and what he can do and stuff and i think he can see things at like before they happen. And so it's going to play with the perspective of when they're shooting it, of like, we see it happen. Well, not to interrupt you, but I'll read the premise happen. real quick. Two international spies are sent out to stop World War III from occurring at the hands of a mysterious threat using the unique technology of time oh, okay. reversal. Well, then never mind. Yeah, so I mean, Forget no, I don't I think, but I don't think you're wrong. <laughs> I think, because I don't think you're wrong about that. I think in order to be able to kind of master that technology, you might have to have that ability okay. to see yeah. things before they're going to happen and then be able to kind of counteract. That makes sense. Yeah. Like honestly, what, though, like, what no matter how crazy the plot is, like, I, I, I like John David Washington a lot. Yeah. Robert Pattinson's the other spy. Yeah. That's great. And then Elizabeth Debicki's in this, and she's no, been no, fantastic cast and everything. Is, like, cast is always on point yeah, in a it, Nolan it, it's movie. It's really exciting. The names oh, are Michael not. Michael Caine. The character names are <laughs> never on point in a Nolan movie, but, like... Except Batman, which he had no choice, but like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Inception has terrible name. There's terrible names up and down his filmography, but uh, the actors are always great. I say that all to say, like, I mean, he always pulls yeah. together some really talented casts. So yeah, this one is John David Washington, Robert Pattinson, Elizabeth Debicki, Aaron Taylor Johnson, Clement Posey, Michael Caine, Kenneth Branagh, Hamish Pentel. Uh, and some other people. I thought you were just joking about Michael Caine, but he's really in there. Yeah, oh no, yeah, yeah. Really there, 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 was, there was the there was an obligatory Michael Caine shot. Yeah, didn't even, it just, that's why I saw the tweet. Gloss. Hey, if, you, if, if anything else, if the sounds, if the style, if the weird story did not give away that this was a uh, Christopher Nolan movie, <laughs> Michael here's Caine. Michael Caine. Yeah, yep. <laughs> the soundtrack you know. was pretty. pretty yeah. I got very like 
Did you watch the trailer? Yeah, I watched the trailer, but apparently I did not catch my. I got kind of like Quantum Break vibes, especially like towards the very end. No, I was trying to think of what video game is when he's moving like and it kind of stutters, and then the guy like there was very there was some cool visor. I'm I mean some of the stuff is kind of like meh you know like there's a couple parts in the trailer where it's like okay this is your typical type of espionage story and they're stopping this threat but the time stuff is the stuff i want to see more of and i thought there was just enough in here to to hook yeah. me like just enough i mean no one is has a little bit of Shyamalan in him where like nothing is as it appears and so i mean it, we're gonna follow rabbit trails from this and none of these gonna make any sense until the final 10 minutes of the movie and then everything we've seen makes sense and you know it's well, I say all that to say, does. I mean, I, I I was a Chris Nolan lover, like in his indie days, like in the beginnings of the following and Memento, Memento. which is where I really kind of saw that. Memento is still his best movie. Yeah, That's- I went out and saw that when it was released in just like three theaters in Philadelphia because I just heard about it. And I didn't know who he was or yeah. what. I just heard the premise and I was like, oh, I got to see that. And yeah, after that, I've been hooked. But I love Insomnia, whereas many people don't. Mm-hmm. I think Insomnia's one of his so best movies. And yeah, Rob Williams, great in that. I mean, yeah. Um, but uh, I, I have fallen out of love with Nolan, and, and since the post Inception era, I think that was like the height of it. And I mean, I can't lie, Inception like changed my career and made me t- like exponentially bigger in this career. Um, that Inception ending explained, where we kind of invented the ending explained post, was just it changed my life. So I can't like hate on the man. He's yeah. done things for me for sure, but. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I didn't like Dark Knight Rises. I wasn't a fan. Of, I really do not like Interstellar. Um, I like Dunkirk. I'm not going to hate on Dunkirk at all, but that was kind of a whole different Yeah, movie Dunkirk's not a typical Nolan yeah. movie. My only worry is, is what you brought up is Interstellar because, again, it, it has those things of nothing makes sense until it all comes together. And Interstellar tried to do that and, like, lost completely lost me of, like, this is a conv- like convoluted mess a little bit. Um, well, yeah. And, like, for me, it was also that that was the glaring indication. Like, I joked about, ro- like, Nolan being a robot, but that one really bothered me because that's supposed to be such a emotional, yeah. family-connected story, and it's just, like, so cold and, like, not – it's very cerebral, but, like, no heart to it, which was such a weird thing for that movie. And, you know – I remember being like one of those Nolan fanboys who would riot, like rail against critics who dared suggest he couldn't do hard or, you know, action as well. Yeah. But um, I mean, I've kind of come around to that. So I hope that either this movie utilizes that strength entirely or injects some kind of emotional core into it. Uh, yeah. That's just me. Yeah, absolutely. Fair enough. All right. Well, we'll wait for that next trailer, which will have a lot of more crazier effects of time reversal and all that stuff, and we'll get more plot lines. So you know how it goes with these Nolan films. Moving right along, we're going to take a quick break because when we come back, we got a lot of stuff to deep dive into, so we're going to get to it. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. All right, so we're back, and uh, Nolan, Nolan, (laughs) roll it in, Matt. (laughs) I'm going to throw it to you guys. Nolan, I traded out at the ad break. (laughs) I'm the twin brother, Nolan. Oh, man. I'm going to throw it to you guys because uh, (laughs) we want to talk about The Witcher. By the time people are hearing this, The Witcher is now on Netflix. And if you're not running out to see Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker, which, by the way, we will have a whole bonus episode to cover Full spoilers discussion uh, when the movie's out in theaters on Friday to make sure, you know, you have a fair chance to go see it. And we're going to keep it all contained to that episode. So while you're not doing that, 
The Witcher is going to be on Netflix, and this is like, yeah, one of the most highly anticipated new shows of the year. Henry Cavill, this kind of book property, game property. Matt, Rollin, you guys know how is it? Uh, well, quick thing real quick before we really dive in. Are, do we want to go spoilers with this or do we want to kind of be vague since it I will I would keep it vague out? because people okay. are not going to be able to binge watch yeah. this all. So, uh, I figure right, we can revisit enough. later yeah. with a full spoiler thing. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, okay. So just for uh, clarification, we've both seen the same amount of episodes and right. everything. Uh, we've seen the first five out of eight. So there's still like three episodes that... You know, a lot of the new trailers, you're starting to see some of the footage. <laughs> They're going to change the game of the show pretty significantly, they look like. So. Because so far, we haven't seen some of those moments happen, like as right. far as like the main characters all coming together. So it'll be interesting to see how that kind of maybe affects things. But Agreed. Um, so far, and I'll actually go with you first because I'm interested to see. We both played the games. Yep. Uh, we both read the books. Yep. Uh, and we were both coming into this with... Uh, high anticipation, but also they had been very clear they were going to make some changes. Uh, so far, without kind of going into like specifics, were you happy with the changes? Uh, I would say that the changes felt necessary. Yeah. That the uh, we know that it's based largely on the books, not on the games. Um, so coming into that, if, if you are very familiar with the games from CD Projekt Red, um, be aware of that fact. Yeah. Um, but it adapts a lot of stories from the first two short story collections, uh, The Last Wish and Sword of Destiny. So like we had some idea of what to expect. Yeah. And then the showrunners and the executive producers and the stars have all been very clear that like, you know, we wanted to tell some stories um, that maybe set up uh, Siri and Yennefer, two of the, the main stars of the show, a little better than maybe necessarily the chronological order of the books would allow. So there's there's some significant changes right from the start. Yes. But overall, I think they work, even yeah. if I'm not particularly happy with the way they sort of interconnect and cut things together. Yeah, there's kind of, uh, and, and there's one particular thing that, yeah, I don't kind of want to give away in that right. regard of yeah. how the <laughs> plot plays out. But there is, that that was kind of my biggest, I ended up like watching it, two times through yeah and one of the things i noted in my review was that you know which should be up by the time yes, people are listening to this. uh was you know and that one is also spoiler free so that way you don't have to worry about if you haven't watched it it still gives you a good idea but was the fact that like i needed a second watch to kind of grasp some of those oh this person was supposed to be here or yeah. this person there was a couple of times where those blanks didn't really get filled the first time through and this just because you're trying to take in a lot you got a lot of information there's three main characters to really keep a, an eye on uh especially over like the middle three episodes so i did need that like it is something you kind of have to pay attention to uh how the story plays out because you might be a little confused at times there is a uh, one episode in particular that kind of drags a bit um, for me, uh, and it's a Siri episode. Yeah, uh, I, I think I know what you're talking yeah, about. There's a particular Siri episode I was like, okay, I am so bored <laughs> just from what is happening here. And it doesn't seem consequential either uh, by yet. events that happen yet. yet. So I'm hoping that that yeah. happens. But so that's kind of just my like the nitpicks aside. But overall, I really enjoyed this uh, as a as someone who heard a lot of the feedback on, you know, Geralt and, you know, Cavill's picture and like people having doubts. The dude nails it. Oh, yeah, the, absolutely. The, he's he, great is, at Geralt. he is. He's so good at Geralt. Some of the little uh, the books do a very good job of like on one instant, there's something completely brutal and dark. And then the very next scene is something completely the opposite. And it makes that feel there's a rhythm and it makes that that's something the books do really well. And it makes it feel natural. Yeah. Uh, there's a great scene and it's and it's towards the end. And, and there's a scene between uh, which is not too spoilery, but there's a scene between uh, Geralt and Yennefer that epitomizes this uh, towards the uh, end of that five episode arc that like some crazy stuff has happened. And then literally the next thing after is like this. The music changes completely and there's like this different tone, but it all feels natural. It all feels like it just kind of flows. Uh, Geralt's weird, uh, his like mannerisms, uh, talking the roach, like those little things are like, what are you judging me for? Uh, we have to get, I feel like I have to give a special shout out to, uh, Yaskir, uh, Joey. AKA Dandelion. Yes. Though not in the show. Uh, by the way, I think I've come around. 
by the really to, to not oh wow calling this, a dandelion. for those of you that don't know matt was very anti this name change i, I did not like this name change uh i'm so used to calling him dandelion but <laughs> uh he's so good joey uh Beatty is i believe how you pronounce i think name. so uh he is phenomenal in the role he's the bard that travels with Geralt. some of those scenes with those two together are some of the absolute just most delightful scenes uh and and to me by the way the first episode uh while a little slow at the beginning uh does a really good job of setting the tone there is a a fight scene uh that establishes like one of the things people have come to know about Geralt and it's towards the end this scene I've watched that fight scene six times through uh and I showed it to like Jamie and a couple other people and like <laughs> watch this and it was one of those things of where if you had doubts about how they were going to handle the fight scenes and like the brutality of stuff it's awesome like it's so it's so good uh and you I know mean, I actually I, I do want to talk about one thing I think it's interesting because both of you and me come from a lot of foreknowledge. We know a lot about this world, yeah. a lot about this franchise as we're coming into the show. And, you know, we had mentioned previously about how some of the construction was maybe a little difficult and hard to follow. And I wonder if someone who is totally fresh yeah. doesn't know what to expect, doesn't know who's who, if it might actually allow them to piece things together a little easier yeah. because we kind of come into it expecting this linear progression of this and then this and then this. And when we start getting hints that maybe that's not the case, we're like, wait, so there's, there's uh there's name drops in here that I go, well, how does that fit in? Right. What because time we is know it? about it? Because yeah. We know about you know, it. they mentioned Kara Morin at one point. I'm like, okay, well, where's like, where in the timeline is that? Because we know what happens to that place. Right. So there's things you expect. And I agree. I think especially with Siri and Yennefer, that will help immensely. Oh if yeah, absolutely. If you know. have no expectation of their, Yennefer, their roles. I have never, and I'm sure I'll get, hate for this i've never been <laughs> actually i'm on the couch with the right person me and roland are both tris marigold fans it's true it, it's so true. i from the the books and and even the games yennefer was always very standoffish yep. it was kind of uh, prickly to yep. me and i never understood why this dude like loves her uh and the way that he does and the show i feel like does a remarkable job of of giving some empathy you're able to empathize with this character a bit because you see her from day one and she is the polar opposite of the character you've come to expect i had one question who hangs better dr manhattan or gerald or gerald i like gerald <laughs> <laughs> Gerald. uh so far they we, have not mm, shown that it has not been it has not been r-rated but at the same time uh uh, excuse me, I take that back. Oh, yeah, I, I take it back. Say. It has not been X-rated. Uh, there have been some scenes, but we have not seen um, Geralt's uh, Little Roach. Now, yet. wow, you said Little Roach. <laughs> now, we, we now there is a lot of nudity in this show. It is uh, not for kids. Yeah, all. it's it's not. But as far as that going that far, no, uh, that has not been shown. Could be in the last three episodes. Do though. they give me some steamy Superman love scenes? There are... There are several love scenes. Uh, kind of depends on what you're going for there. <laughs> Cavill. <laughs> yeah. You know what we want, Matt. Yeah. You know what the people want. <laughs> Not messing around. No, I'm saying they 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 walk right up to the border and then they stop. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that's that's kind of how picking out fan. what you're putting down. All right. <laughs> yeah. There's one. There's at least one hot and heavy scene. I think that. Yeah. All right. So, but uh, so for general audiences, are people just looking for that next Game of Thrones fix? Do you think this will fill the void? That's a tough question. I I, th I personally think that it will, at the very least, prove to be a stopgap. It, it is not the same. It is not Game of Thrones. Yeah. Uh, it deals in much more personal stories. I feel like, whereas Game of Thrones became sort of this grand. That's thing. I think that was one of the biggest things. I remember when we originally talked about it, like Comic Con, and I, and it was like people keep because like you'd have Brandon's and other people like yeah. I'm looking for Game of Thrones. It was never going to be Game of Thrones because that's just not the type of story that these are. Like yeah. these are very much centered on the specific group of like a couple characters and their kind of lives and and the inter intermingling and a lot of like there is political intrigue and there's epic war stuff and there's battles like all that stuff that yes you would see in a game of thrones but it's just a different feel this world is just different so i think if they come in with appropriate expectations of no i don't want game of thrones i'm looking for something though that might fit in the, that 
semi spot. Yes, I think you think like can it. generate mainstream buzz because this is what Netflix shows live and die by. Uh, no, I think this will have to me. I don't think this will have any issue like rolling into season two with momentum. I think you'll have a lot of it, it's actually pleased me that Netflix has been pushing this as hard as it has, like advertising wise and getting the people out there and getting more footage out. I've been really pleased with that. I don't think it'll have any issue now. Here, so here's what I would say. Matt and I have seen five episodes. We've seen multiple yes. different screeners before for different shows. Sometimes when you get those five episodes, mm -hmm. you go, I don't know if I need to see any more of this show. I don't know if I want to watch any more of this. I will be watching The Witcher tomorrow morning yeah. to see how things end. Like, that's that's my Luke Cage. I'm looking at you. <laughs> oh, it's true. I though. remember when I got that's those true, screeners though. and I was like, I was jazzed, but I was like, <laughs> nah, I'm good. And then. I, you know, I was like, oh, hey, I didn't need to watch the second half of that season. I, I, do, have, I do have one question because you talk about the devoid of, of Game of Thrones. I'm, I'm interested in seeing The Witcher. I've been looking forward to it. Mm -hmm. But one thing that I'm, I'm really frustrated by is the Netflix binge thing, especially with Mandalorian that I know mm -hmm. we're going to talk about later and how big of a deal the Mandalorian has become because of its weekly release schedule. And with Game of Thrones, if you're trying to fill that void and be the medieval, you know, type of show on TV – how's this going to work when everyone's going to watch it in a weekend and then we're going to stop talking about it. Is it, is it hindered by the fact that it's the same way as the boys did boys was bingeable and Nat didn't have a problem building. That's a whole separate thing. We'll talk about the one that has been out for a while. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I, I just think it's a very like project by project thing. I don't think yeah. one fits all. It's a structural no. issue. That's not going to be solved. Yeah. And it's I don't like think Hill house. Hill house was bingeable and we still talked about that for, yeah. Um, all right, moving right along then. Thank you, guys. And uh, be sure to check out a review of The Re of the Witcher when it is up on comicbook.com as you are hearing this. Going to your Witcher. We're going to jump to <laughs> The Mandalorian. So, see, episode seven is now out. Uh, it came out in advance of Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker. And so this is the one that kind of allowed all the people who have been saying complaining about the pacing of the Mandalorian to STFU effectively because <laughs> now all this stuff where people are saying it's just meandering, there's no point to the episodes, blah, 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 Brandon Davis. We're just going to like, we finally come around to seeing why these events transpired, right? Yeah. Like there, this, this episode brings it all together. There was a purpose for all of this journey we've been on, um, you know, and of dealing with this. And it's because... Basically, a lot of the characters we met along the way that the Mandalorian has befriended, the ones he hasn't killed, are coming back together to form this little crew to go back to the planet Navarro and deal with where these first two episodes kind of set things with him taking the child from the client and his uh, handler, Griff, I forget how to say his name all the time because it's crazy. Uh, Carl Weathers. So I'm just gonna call him. Yeah. Let's just call him. Can I say that's, name. that's what I call yeah. him now. <laughs> yeah. Grief, grief, Carla. grief, Carla. Yeah, I know, but it's just, uh, you know, f Star Wars names. I'm not doing this. <laughs> Carl Weathers, um, basically, kind of calls him back with a deal that says, if you bring the kid back, we can trick the client, and I need him off my back. So use the kid as bait. Come yep. back. We'll kill the client, and I'll clear you with the guild. So these bounty hunters start come stop coming after you. And that'll be that. And of course, the Mandalorian doesn't buy it. So he goes and gets his crew. He gets Gina Carano's ex-shock trooper and Nick Nolte's little curmudgeonly alien guy. Um, and they kind of make a plan. It's it's bounty hunters kind of making plans on plans to double cross each other <laughs> and doing all this stuff. But uh, then we get this big twist thrown in because Baby Yoda, who never ceases to surprise and charm us, uh, reveals something that's pretty pivotal in Star Wars to this point, I mean, it's been kind of muted. We have a lot going on in Star Wars right now, but he reveals the, uh, uh, well, let's say. Oh, yeah. Spoilers. Whoops. <laughs> spoilers for The Mandalorian, Chapter 7, The Reckoning, on Disney Plus good this catch. week. I very, totally very did. Spoilers. Big spoilers. Spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. <laughs> I'm going to wait like three seconds. All you right. can fast forward three minutes if you don't want to hear all this. Otherwise, we're going to talk about it. All right, so. <laughs> Spoilers. Baby Yoda kind of comes over. Uh, they, they all go out, Carl Weathers and the bounty hunters, they go out to kind of go meet the client. They have to camp overnight. They get attacked by these winged creature things. Carl Weathers is, like, injured and poisoned by one of them. And Baby Yoda, as he's kind of dying, comes over and uses the Force to heal him. So we basically had the debut of Force healing powers, which has been in Star Wars kind of extended 
content for years, but like in the canon, as I was mm. doing research, it's only been in the Star Wars Uprising mobile game, which is considered <laughs> canon. Yeah, it only lasted important. a year. Wow, yeah, uh, but it's considered canon. Uh, so it's been in there. But this is really, I mean, for all intents and purposes, this is the first real mainstream introduction of force healing in Star Wars. And yeah, it ups Baby Yoda's kind of importance. I mean, if boss, this is man. kind of power he has it, it in at this time, you know, when Luke Skywalker's, you know, doing whatever, and we don't know exactly when this is comparatively to when like Luke and Kylo Ren have their thing happen. But, you know, the force and force users are not as prevalent as they used to be mm. so this is a pretty powerful thing that baby yoda can do so there's that um and then this episode has to kind of twist twist the knife in our hearts because we get introduced to a new villain uh moff uh, gideon who's played by gina carlo esposito uh from breaking bad fame and many other things who kind of sets his trap because of course, Carl Weathers was going to betray the Mandalorian and kill them for the client, but because Baby Yoda saved him, he kills the guys. He double, he triple crosses the guys that he was going to double cross the Mandalorian he with. Bust the bus yeah, he blasts <laughs> them, and they go to meet the client to set him up. But the client gets set up is being set up by uh, Mark a lot of setups Gideon. in this one. Wow, geez. Yeah. it's crosses on crosses. This is on like crosses. that Office gift come to <laughs> no, it's life. Like, it's like that Rick and Morty heist episode, basically. Yeah. Like, yep. Everybody has another double cross, and so Everybody yeah, Moff Gideon is is apparently much wiser and kind of smarter strategist than even the client because the client when he goes to meet the Mandalorian, which is about to be a double cross, ends up they all end up getting shot up by uh, Moff Gideon, who has like pretty intense squad of like Death Troopers and former in like Stormtroopers outside the client's kind of uh, base, and yeah, he has the Mandalorian pinned down. And Nick Nolte's alien guy is trying to speed back to the ship with Baby Yoda, who they've kind of, you know, kind of snuck away so yeah. they can get him off planet. But, uh, you know, those damn speeder bikes from Return of the Jedi, you just can't outrun those things. And so Moff Gideon ends up at the end of the episode killing, seemingly killing the alien guy. And he now has Baby Yoda, which has America pretty much more, more upset whammy, and, and anxious yeah. than, you know, the impeachment hearing. So, like, here we go. <laughs> It'll be fine. There's still another episode. Well, and, and we that's, all that's know. The thing. It's the, the force healing sets up, like, because I, I really like Quill, the, the alien character. He's, a, he's an awesome character. He's so, he's kind-hearted. He's a great puppet. Like, <laughs> he's really cool. And the hope is that they set up the healing in order to maybe save him. In the- No, that dude's dead. I, 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 I agree. I'm just saying, like, it that's the hope is that they can save <laughs> well not only that so here's the thing like baby yoda can heal i don't know if baby yoda can bring back yeah i was gonna say yeah he, they took him away like if he was still around i would get dude's it. one yeah. with the force now but He's, we're not talking about the missing person of this crew mm-hmm. ig11 IG is still sitting there oh that's right man There's on the ship on. protecting the baby so he's gonna come out having formed this new bond with quill and see the dead body and he's gonna go He's going to go off. He's going to lose it. He's yeah. going oh to hurt IG-11, Taika Waititi's IG-11 I cannot droid. wait for that. Uh, That's what's going to happen. Which was something, Charlie, you wanted from the first episode. You were really hoping for that. And he comes back. He's funny. He's been reprogrammed as like a, just a servant. He's like, like a, like a, a team. Or, yeah. He's like a 3PO type yeah. now. Um, but the Mandalorian doesn't trust him because he thinks that, you know, deep down, you can't rewire a droid. I mean, I wouldn't trust him either, to be I frank. Mean, yeah, neither would I. <laughs> the guy's too good of a shot. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. After seeing what he did in that first episode, no, I wouldn't trust him. For that. No. But, uh, yeah, so there's a lot of setup. And now we are getting to a major point of stuff happening in the Mandalorian. So yeah. hope everybody's happy. And stuff is the, happening. So the, the finale is Taika Waititi's episode. Yep. Taika well, directed the next episode. It's you. almost like they set it up that way. It's almost like <laughs> 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 I'm saying like I mean we all love Taika Waititi like I mean and the directors of the season have all been good. I mean Deborah Chow has Yeah, this is another Deborah Chow episode. Incredible. I mean she's I saw best. people on Twitter giving her props. Yeah, no, she's like, been the best by yeah, far. Yeah. And uh, she's the one Rick that's you behind series. her. I would put Rick Famenua behind her. Mm-hmm. Um And Dave Filoni's been good for his first time Favreau, doing Filoni. And yeah, I mean, even your you know, you know your most mundane episode of the Mandalorian is still pretty damn yeah. good, right? So yeah. yeah, so yeah, so I mean, big things are happening, and um, I mean, for me, the most interesting thing I want to know is like, was there a point to the timing of this? Like, is there anything in this episode that like is going to be referenced in Rise of Skywalker? Like, 
you know, is Baby Yoda going to show up? Rich knows the answers over there in the booth. Baby Yoda, baby, baby Yoda. <laughs> well, well I, I think the, the 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 one thing that we can take from that, like the idea of force healing, we've been asking since the first trailer for Rise of Skywalker how the Emperor comes back. And yeah. there's there could be a connection with that, like or not a connection, but an explanation. Yeah, yeah. Of how so. he is able to. to That's going to be kind of my point. theory is that like they didn't just drop that major reveal at this time for nothing. Like, right. There's got to be it, that was a major point and a couple other points like in the episode like that I think could. It's all. Be well, I've, I've been seeing people that have that have seen Rise of Skywalker. I mean, critics in bigger cities have seen the movie. Um, there is something that connects it to this episode of of the mandalorian uh, i don't know what it is i have avoided all now, of it like some like, star wars fan right now is like oh my god you spoiled <laughs> you spoiled the connection <laughs> you spoiled the star wars things there's there's a rise of skywalker uh preview attached right. to this episode right but right. we don't think that has anything to do with no, it because no, it seems I, totally i've I avoided clicking on anything with it i don't i don't want to spoil it for myself yeah um but there is something <laughs> that yeah. it oh, might be the a other, big, no idea. Yeah, the other potential thing was that we learned that um, for sure that Baby Yoda is not a clone. Mm. Um, because there's a description of like what clones are like by, uh, who is it, Quill? Quill, yeah. He yeah, yeah. says he knows like what clones are like and they have a certain aspect and that Baby Yoda is too lively and kind of thinking and, and kind of too there to be a clone, which... Which, I mean, you, you and I have been talking about from the beginning and we've said from the beginning like... The goal wasn't that that he was a clone and they're trying to get him back. Like they want to clone him and get his ability. Yeah, and so it raises more questions about like, re, like is this Yoda? Is this not Yoda? Like, is there some kind of weird Star Wars cycle of circle of life happening? Palpatine's yeah. alive. We still have Yoda apparently. Like, could there be some kind of connection to that? So, Rise of Skywalker is coming out tonight. We will be seeing it, and so we'll have more answers for this on our full spoilers discussion of that film uh, shortly. All right, well, now moving on for the awesomest that is The Mandalorian. We're going to close out today talking comics. Uh, this time we're trading in some of the X-Books because they're just here right now. There's so many. Yeah, there's so many. <laughs> it was like we're five this do. week. Yeah. I thought this was going to be different, yeah. and I was dumb for thinking that. Yeah, but uh, we're going to talk about a couple things, actually. We're going to talk about two things. Uh, we're going to talk really quick. Charlie's. we brought you on here, so let's bring you on here for what we brought you on to shine. There's another big movie coming oh, out God. this week that's not The Rise of Skywalker, <laughs> Ooh. and it's Cats. Charlie, we got f about five minutes. I'm going to give you two minutes to tell us about Cats. All right, I'm looking at the camera. I'm looking at all you people And all there. your bets for 2020 <laughs> about Cats. Cats is the most insane movie I've ever seen in theaters. Like, it does not make... Oh my god, I can't it's hard to describe it. Like writing the review for this was so hard because it's Comes such turn up. an insane, weird, terrible thing. Like it's it's ludicrous. It's unhinged. Like there are actors in this movie that are so well respected and like I I have nothing but props for them and for Tom Hooper with them because they go all out the whole they they never hold back. Idris Elba never holds back. Ian McKellen and uh and Judy Dench Never hold back in this movie. There's a scene where Ian McKellen laps water out of a dish and then makes a bunch of weird cat sounds and hisses at people. Like Idris Elba's character has magic. He snaps his weird human hands and whisks people away into Thanos dust. And it's Ray Winstone is in this movie, which I did not know. And that's if you watch gangster movies, like that's a really weird thing to see Ray Winstone as a cat. Uh, Rebel Wilson's character trains beetles and mice to sing and dance. And these beetles and mice, like the cats, are human face, human body, huh. beetles and mice. It is horrifying. <laughs> like, this movie is a train wreck on every level. The story doesn't make sense. Like, the songs are, other than Memory and the new song, which is actually pretty good, uh, Beautiful Ghosts, other than those two songs, none of the other music makes sense. But the whole movie is music. And it's like, the whole thing is a an audition to go to cat heaven. Like, if you don't know cats, the whole thing is all these street cats, Jellicle cats, which they're called, and they never explain what Jellicle means. It doesn't mean anything. It's the name of their gang. They have to audition once a year for Old Deuteronomy, which is the Judy Dench cat, and they each they all put on performances, and she picks one to send to the heaviside layer, which is past the moon and the clouds, to be reborn in a better life. They are all, it's it's the it's the anti Hunger Games. They are all vying for the one chance to die, <laughs> and they're singing these songs explaining why they're important. One of them is, "Oh, I'm a tap dancing cat," and it's a ten minute song about tap dancing. 
Because every the, the whole that's the whole movie. Thirty it's, seconds. It's, this, it's just it a talent show for these cats. It, it is. It is the CGI does not line up at all. The songs are weird. The performances like they 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 put it all out there, but it's it's weirdly like hypersexual. Like it's really really sexual. It's not. I would not take a kid to see it. All that to say, I gave it a one out of five, which is the lowest that we're allowed to give something. I think it's one of the worst movies I've seen in years. And yet, but you seem I hopeful about am something. recommending it because it's such a unique <laughs> and beautiful, ridiculous oh, no, train wreck. Tell, oh, it is, tell, God. tell oh. people what you predict the legacy of Cats. Oh yes, Charlie. I did oh, see that. I, yeah. I agree with this. So I think Cats. You said, I, of course, you agree. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to back this up. So I think Cats is destined to be like a midnight cult movie like the room like rocky horror picture show where in years they have midnight showings at theaters and everyone in the crowd like they're all really obsessed with doing this every year they know at certain points in the thing they're going to throw a certain thing across the room at certain points they're going to you know they're going to throw glitter when taylor swift walks on the screen they're going to sing the songs together they're going to have certain sayings they all do together it's going to be this weird cult phenomenon thing like once a year at movie theaters it is this is going to have a life because of how insane and unhinged of a movie that it is there's no way this song just dies or this this movie just dies like it will have a life and it is but you're not okay but to clarify can we just say yes let's not also say that Charlie Ridgely is uniquely enthused about cats in the comic book offices right now (laughs) he's He's also the only one who has seen it yeah to be fair like you, I, oh, you I'm predict saying, there's going to be a major upswing? I, I, I believe there will be at least one other person in this office who will recommend cats. Megan. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's just, I'm only recommending it because I've never seen anything like it. And I think that it's such a crazy experience. And like now with almost every theater chain has their own subscription thing. So like I don't pay to go to a movie because I pay 15 bucks a month or whatever for AMC A-list. So like if you have one of those things, like just go use it to see this movie. You have a whole week off from work. Go see this movie. It's insane. Yeah, I promise you will not have Again, seen Again, we're not like talking before. about Star Wars. Charlie's talking about cats. Okay, my cats. biggest thing, and I don't want to open so up another crazy. can of worms, no, is the fact that you're, that you're comparing it to Rocky Horror Picture Show. I'm saying that the kind of life it's going to have. I'm not comparing the movies at all. Okay. I'm saying the following. Like one is good. <laughs> I mean, depending <laughs> one is on who fun you in a ridiculous good I'm not, way. I'm, I'm not judging okay. the... We're the, closing the door on all of these matters. <laughs> this is as much time as I am willing to give cats. Oh I gave you more time than I'm willing to give. You've heard Charlie's thoughts on cats. We will never again discuss cats on this podcast. My reviews on comic so that's it. Yeah, I've never had that much fun can writing I, review. Can I say I've never had Enjoy. that much fun, though, listening to you, a description you, of cats? We, I we, lost it. You, I know. There's photos, there's gonna be photos of you just sitting here <laughs> laughing. Not like, help rich it was shots. amazing. Don't worry. It we was got the amazing. shots of you oh losing my God. it. Moving right along back to Saner <laughs> Pastures. So <laughs> Batman has just ended uh, Tom King's run on Batman or Tom Taylor. Which one? I forget. I always confused. Tom King. Tom King. Tom King. I was Tom right King's the first done. time. Uh, Tom King's you run on Batman. You were not alone in that, by the way. Yeah, I mess this up all the time. On Batman with the City of Bane crossover, which... Yeah, we're going to talk about this really briefly instead of the X-Books. So me and Matt were talking, and uh, City of Bane has been a very unique Batman story in the sense that it kind of is billed as a very comic booky kind of almost 90s DC crossover. The cover art is like that, like for for most of it. Um, The premise, of course, is Bane becomes, takes over Gotham. Yeah. It's his city. Yeah, it's a city, and he does the Dark Knight Rises thing. He closes it off to the outside world. He makes all the villains cops after he brainwashes them using Psycho Pirate, um, and he just enforces these insanely harsh kind of dictatorship-like conditions. And he has aid by doing this from Thomas Wayne, the Batman from the Flashpoint universe, who, thanks to what it is, Doomsday Clock, that he made it back into this universe. Which just explained that all, by the way. Yeah. So, so just, late anyway. <laughs> yeah, I feel like his origin story was better, better. Thomas Wayne's origin issue was a better explanation yeah. than like Doomsday Clock. But um, so he's look, Thomas Wayne's now in the main Batman universe, and he has a problem with Bat Bruce Wayne becoming Batman. That's as a father, that's unconscionable to him. And so he tries to break Batman by helping Bane do this thing to prove to Batman that he's not really a good, effective, yeah. or the Batman. Um and we, what we liked about this, I think you and I talked and agreed, is how this kind of crossover subverted expectations of a crossover in, like, the best way. Yeah. This was, like, one of the most personal Batman stories you've ever had. 
in a in a crossover where it could easily have been just issues and issues and issues and pages of the villain doing stuff and yeah. dedicated to the villain mostly. But like for a crossover called City of Bane, Bane plays a remarkably small part in this crossover. Yeah. Um, and a lot of the issues are conceptually some of the best Batman kind of stories I've read in recent memory, just in some very powerful moments. So we're going to talk full spoilers for City yes. of Bane. If you have not read City of Bane, you really should when it comes out in trade. But we're going to talk full spoilers because it's impossible to do. Yeah. Uh, to talk about this. Um, and so in the ending, in the last two issues, Matt's covered it every week on our comics review. But uh, the last two things were there was a big pivotal fight because Batman, Thomas Wayne kind of beat up Batman and left him in this pit yeah. <laughs> before coming back to Gotham. And we just kind of jumped into the story. Like it just happened. Bane locks it down. Here are the conditions. Thomas Wayne is doing it. And with his new superpowered assistant, who's that? If uh, Gotham girl, Gotham girl. Yeah. Cause he kind of gets control of Gotham girl and kind of uses her as a deterrent. And Batman is kind of left, has been injured and has to be kind of healed and rehabilitated by Catwoman, who he's just kind of like then on vacation or not vacation, but yeah. exile with, and he and Catwoman really fundamentally bond and have a lot of sex. Now, that sounds titillating, <laughs> but what Tom King does brilliantly was this kind of examines Batman mythos on like a very, not like Court of Owls in the sense of like the mythos of Gotham, but like the actual mythos of these characters, their history, yeah. their connections over all these decades and what they mean and all that. So you had like great issues like one issue of just Batman and Catwoman having conversations at different points on their like little exile vacation. Yeah. Before she finally gets to him and finally like pierces that veil and cowl he wears around his heart and finally makes him admit like he loves her and they're connected yeah. and that they're going to be like an actual team and an item. Um, there's a that fantastic issue where it's just Catwoman and Batman when they finally get back to oh Gotham and sneak into issue. Arkham. It's just a fist fight with them and Bane with like none of the usual utility belts and venom and all that comic book stuff. It's literally just like a cage match yeah. of them. And it is a brutal fight that ends. Now here's where I kind of deviated. That issue was great. And it was very pivotal because like Thomas Wayne comes in and he shoots Bruce Wayne and he shoots Bane. And those seem to be soft bullets because neither one of them right. seems to be <laughs> lastingly affected by this. Yeah. Like it makes it seem like Bane was dead. He got shot in the head. But in this last issue, he's alive. And hey, he's well. just chilling. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's in the hospital. He's hurt, but he's not dead. And Bruce didn't get like paralyzed or anything. Yeah. And he was fine. The next issue. So that aside, Alfred dies in this in this crossover. Yeah. Uh, Thomas Wayne kills Alfred as a way of well, he had him hostage as a way of keeping Batman and his in the Bat family away. Of course, Batman sent like Damian Wayne in there to infiltrate and and the Batman family. And as a result, Thomas Wayne you know makes good on his threat and has been snapped. Alfred's neck while he's tied to a chair. Yeah. Um, which is a major change to the Batman universe, of course. And there's a wonderful eulogy issue that, like I said, these concepts of these issues are so great, where Batman just wakes up in a room that Thomas Wayne has trapped him in with Alfred's dead body. And it's a voiceover of Alfred's like last recorded thoughts and about like why he's the one who kind of forces the hand to to make Thomas Wayne kill him so that he can free Bruce Wayne and Batman up from, you know, being held hostage because that's how much love. And it's just, and the whole issue is just Batman trying to figure out how to get out of this room, listening to this recording of yeah. Alfred, trying to, like, lay down his corpse and cover it. And it's just such a powerful issue because it's just all about Alfred's emotions and telling Bruce Wayne about how he was when a little boy, how he used to be so full of joy yeah. and all this stuff and what he wants from his life again. Um, and it's just really powerful Batman stuff. I mean, it's not treated as an exploitative, like, comic gimmick. Oh, Alfred dead. Like, yeah. No, it's like real kind of human emotional stuff. Um, and also the Thomas Wayne kind of origin story yeah, issue is too. great. Showing him, like, in the Flashpoint universe, the events of Doomsday Clock and how he got over here. And this deep kind of pain of he's not just a villain. He's a father that is trying to basically use some really twisted disciplinary lessons to yeah. kind of knock his son out of this bad passive if he was like a teenager who just started smoking or because he keeps like telling him right that i want i want you to marry her i want you to like have the life yeah leave that i didn't have settle down with selena yeah like he, he wants uh, a positive things for him he didn't want to kill alfred but he felt like he had to to make a point yeah, right and that's like the dark thing you find out that like when his wife martha wayne in the flashpoint universe became joker but when she finds out that like in this universe bruce wayne's batman she kills herself yeah 
um, which is so horribly dark. Yeah. Like, and like, yeah. And it just breaks Thomas Wayne to find out that his son, like, became this thing that he became in his universe. And he's really trying to do this. And like, like you said, but that's what makes the climax of this thing great because it's not a big villain battle. No, it's not literally at all. like a fist fight between Batman and his dad that ends with him knocking his dad out and being like, "You ain't my daddy." <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Every like half the kids from black households probably had this experience at one point <laughs> in their life. I know, like I did, but I didn't knock my father out. Uh, he's a much better fighter than me. But also, <laughs> my older brother had already gotten knocked out, so I kind of I knew how that worked. So anyway, that's a little origin story for me. But back to Batman. So like, yeah. And so it's basically this whole story, all of this stuff, all the elements, all the characters are basically culminates into this wonderful kind of reaffirmation of Batman about why he's Batman yeah. and how now he's going to be this different kind of Batman that doesn't have to be like the same angry loner. Um, like in the issue before the Bane fight, there's a great line where he says, like, my enemies always expect that I have to do things alone and that, like, I'm this crazy angry loner. But now with Catwoman there, it's good. And I think this issue does straightens out a lot of the mythos, but more importantly, it actually sells you on the whole Batman-Catwoman connection. Mm -hmm. So if you were freaking out about the wedding and all that stuff, oh, by the way, they get married in this one. Yeah, I love the how they Batman handle that. Batman-Catwoman way. No big superhero wedding. They just wake up one day and they're just like, oh, we were going to get married. We never went through with it. Like, you just want to be married? And it's just like, yeah. And there's a ring, and yeah. it's because they get distracted by just like, loving each other that they miss the judge coming out of the bar like for him and so they're like yeah we're look we're together that yeah they're awesome waiting for spread. a judge who can marry them as they're in costume and end up <laughs> doing yeah and waking up in bed and be like all right look we don't need all this we're married like yeah. together and it's so like and awesome. it makes the batman catwoman relationship actually work yeah and like not just as like and catwoman's not just like some oh can you pick up some you paper towels on the home way home no it's like this is a full partnership like Batman and Catwoman. I love how they call them each other Bat and Cat. Like I love that could so be much. So cheesy, but like, and it's and it's crazy because the stuff I've seen about this issue, and you could say a lot of Tom King's run uh, is a little divisive um, amongst comic fans on social media and stuff. And and this issue in particular has been, I think, some people were expecting the buildup to be that big fight let's see a major revelation of who's really behind it or whatever and and see this you know bane come into it the only time bane shows up is when it, it's in that epilogue-ish part of seeing thomas wayne get his, his back broken yeah uh which is you know bane amazing the history of breaking batman's yeah. back only this time he breaks thomas wayne's back which is effectively to take thomas wayne off the board for a yeah while. you know but like that stuff is few and far between this really is again like king has done an analysis of two people who you know at one point i mean back on that island when selena was saying like the reason i i didn't we didn't get married the reason i left essentially you at the altar and and for a while there in king's run batman's a jerk like batman's as anyone would be who was left at the altar when you're like, We're oh, we going to get nightmares here. Uh, yeah. So yeah. like, you know, he's he's upset. And in those like King really did a good job of slowly bringing that character along and, and trying to explore real human emotions and making this feel like a person and not a caricature. So I, I, I know some people will not like this issue for that reason. There's not that big action payoff. I thought if you've been enjoying King's run, You'll you'll love it. Now let me let me ask, as someone who started King's Run, but hasn't been keeping up, I know that King was initially supposed to go to like what was it a hundred, mm -hmm. yeah. and he's done with Batman the book, but not Batman the character because yes. the Batman and Catwoman book is coming, correct? Yeah, and that'll fill in the fifteen issues that he was supposed to right. do this. How do you feel about the resolution of the book at this point? Then? So I am not the the one thing I I didn't love was the epilogue. Which the epilogue sets up uh, Joker, Tynan's run that yep. will he will be the next one, and it's going to be a, a Joker story. I'm not thrilled about that because honestly, I'm a little Jokered out. Yeah. I mean, there's so many Batman villains that are out there, and and they've been doing some great stuff with Mister Freeze lately, and and Mad Hatter. Yeah. There's so many other characters. So to see a Joker story, I'm not going to lie, I was a little bummed. And it was a, and it's a very ha kind of not hackneyed, but it was a very cliche Joker story. Yeah. And one of his thugs says something he doesn't like, and he does something horrible to him. Yeah, and he's and like, oh, I know Batman's yeah, identity. Yeah, set up that he's going to – he knows Batman's identity, and he's been saving it because then he decides on a whim, as the Joker would, oh, no, it would be more fun just to reveal this. So, yeah. <laughs> Like that has me like, 
not I'm not enthused. I I like Tynan's work. Uh, his other stuff is great, and I liked his detective run. So uh, until the last arc, but you know, so I'm I will give it a shot. But I'm more excited about King's Batman yeah, Catwoman, Catwoman book because I want to see how that was supposed. He's essentially just porting over his idea to that series. Yeah, and uh, and it, something that sounds so cheesy at the beginning, I think, yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see. Yeah, because yeah, he nails those characters, their history, and their relationship really well. So if you haven't, check out Batman City of Bane. Should be getting collected any minute now. Yeah, and uh, go back and check that out. All right, that'll do it. We're going to get out of here for this episode of Comic Book Nation. If you're just now getting into the show, we put up new episodes every Wednesday, every Friday on comicbook.com, or you can subscribe there or on your favorite listening platform or on iTunes, uh, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and Google Playlists, or you can catch us on YouTube. I used to have an Alexa plug, but Alexa's been messed up lately, and they're not really putting us on there. With wow. easy voice really? So, Rude, Alexa. Alexa. You. Um, moving right along, if you want to continue the conversation with us about anything we talked about, hit us up at Comic Book Nation. You can find me at Kofi Outlaw. You can find me at Matt Aguilar CB. And I am at Rollin Bishop. And I'm at Charlie Ridgely. Uh, or wherever cats fan Let's clubs, talk about cats. Cats fan clubs are Just online. do the hashtag cats on Twitter and you'll find Yeah, go find Charlie. <laughs> He'll appear you in a glitter, in a poof of glitter and Thanos dust. Um, all right. <laughs> if you like the show, go on iTunes, leave us a five-star review because Arab, we are coming up on another junction where we're going to be reading some five-star reviews off iTunes and sending out some free t-shirts. So be sure to leave your review now. Otherwise, that'll do it. This is Comic Book Nation. Thank you for riding with us. Be sure to be, stay tuned for our Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker review and spoilers discussion bonus episode, which is also coming this week. So you got three. Merry Christmas. We're out. This.